name for you is the best. Kinch, the knife blade. He shaved warily over his chin. He was raving all night about a black panther, Stephen said. Where is his gun case? A woeful lunatic, Mulligan said. Were you in a funk? I was, Stephen said, with energy and growing fear. Out here in the dark with a man I don't know, raving and moaning to himself about shooting a black panther. You save men from drowning. I'm not a hero, however. If he stays on here, I'm off. Buck Mulligan frowned at the lather on his razor blade. He hopped down from his perch and began to search his trouser pockets hastily. Scutter! he cried thickly. He came over to the gun rest and, thrusting a hand to Stephen's upper pocket, said, Lend us the loan of your nose rag to wipe me razor. Stephen suffered him to pull out and hold up on show by its corner, a dirty, crumpled handkerchief. Buck Mulligan wiped the razor blade neatly. Then, gazing over the handkerchief, he said, The bard's nose rag. A new art colour for our Irish poets. Snot green. You can almost taste it, can't you? He mounted to the parapet again and gazed out over Dublin Bay, his fair oak-pale hair stirring slightly. God, he said quietly, isn't the sea what algae calls it? A grey, sweet mother. The snot-green sea, the scrotum tightening sea. Epi oinopa ponton. Ah, Daedalus, but Greeks, I must teach you. You must read them in the original. Falata, falata, she is our great sweet mother. Come and look. Stephen stood up and went over to the parapet. Leaning on it, he looked down on the water and on the mailboat clearing the harbour mouth of Kingstown. Our mighty mother, Buck Mulligan said. He turned abruptly his great searching eyes from the sea to Stephen's face. The aunt thinks you killed your mother, he said. That's why she won't let me have anything to do with you. Someone killed her. Stephen said gloomily. You could have knelt down, damn it, Kinch, when your dying mother asked you, Buck Mulligan said. I'm hyperborean as much as you, but to think of your mother begging you with her last breath to kneel down and pray for her, and you refused. There's something sinister in you. He broke off and lathered again, lightly, his father cheek. A tolerant smile curled his lips. Buss, a lovely mummer, he murmured to himself. Kinch! the loveliest mummer of them all. He shaved evenly and with care, in silence, seriously. Stephen, an elbow rested on the jagged granite, leaned his palm against his brow and gazed at the fraying edge of his shiny black coat sleeve. Pain, that was not yet the pain of love, fretted his heart. Silently in a dream, she had come to him after her death her wasted body within its loose brown grave clothes, giving off an odour of wax and rosewood, her breath that had bent upon him, mute, reproachful, a faint odour of wetted ashes. Across the threadbare cuff edge he saw the sea, hailed as a great sweet mother by the well-fed voice beside him. The ring of bay and skyline held a dull green mass of liquid. A bowl of white china had stood beside her deathbed, holding the green sluggish bile which he had torn up from her rotting liver by fits of loud groaning vomiting. Buck Mulligan wiped again his razor blade. Ah, poor dog's body, he said in a kind voice. I must give you a shirt and a few nose rags. How are the second-hand breeks? They fit well enough. 
Stephen answered. Buck Mulligan attacked the hollow beneath his underlip. A mockery of us, he said contentedly. Second leg they should be. God knows what poxy bells he left them off. I've a lovely pair with a hair stripe, grey. You look spiffing in them. I'm not joking, Kinch. You look damn well when you're dressed. Thanks, Stephen said. I can't wear them if they're grey. He can't wear them, Buck Mulligan told his face in the mirror. Etiquette is etiquette. He kills his mother, but he can't wear grey trousers. He folded his razor neatly, and with stroking palps of fingers, felt the smooth skin. Stephen turned his gaze from the sea, and to the plump face with its smoke-blue, mobile eyes. That fellow I was with in the ship last night, said Buck Mulligan, says you have G.P.I. He's up in Dottyville with Connolly Norman. General paralysis of the insane. He swept the mirror a half-circle in the air to flash the tidings abroad in sunlight, now radiant on the sea. His curling, shaven lips laughed, and the edges of his white, glittering teeth. Laughter seized all his strong, well-knit trunk. Look at yourself, he said, you dreadful bird. Stephen bent forward and peered at the mirror held out to him, cleft by a crooked crack, hair on end. As he and others see me, who chose this face for me, this dog's body, to rid of vermin? It asks me, too. I pinched it out of the skivvy's room, Buck Mulligan said. It does her all right. The aunt always keeps plain-looking servants from Malachy. Lead him not into temptation. And her name is Ursula. Laughing again, he brought the mirror away from Stephen's peering eyes. The rage of Caliban at not seeing his face in a mirror, he said. If Wilde were only alive to see you. Drawing back and pointing, Stephen said with bitterness, It's a symbol of Irish art, the cracked looking-glass of a servant. Buck Mulligan suddenly linked his arm in Stephen's and walked with him round the tower, his razor and mirror clacking in the pocket where he had thrust them. It's not fair to tease you like that, Kinch, is it? He said kindly. God knows you have more spirit than any of them. Parried again. He fears the lancet of my art, as I fear that of his, the cold steel pen. Cracked looking-glass of a servant. Tell that to the oxy shop downstairs and touch him for a guinea. He's stinking with money and thinks you're not a gentleman. His alpha made his tin by selling jalap to Zulus or some bloody swindle or other. God, Kinch, if you and I could only work together, we might do something for the island. Hellenize it. Cranley's arm. His arm. And to think of your having to beg from these swine. I'm the only one that knows what you are. Why don't you trust me more? What have you got up your nose against me? Is it Haynes? If he makes any noise here, I'll bring down Seymour, and we'll give him a ragging worse than they gave Clive Kempthorpe. Young shouts of moneyed voices in Clive Kempthorpe's rooms. Pale faces. They held their ribs with laughter, one clasping another. Oh, I shall expire. Break the news to her gently, Aubrey. I shall die. With slit ribbons of his shirt whipping the air, he hops and hobbles round the table, with trousers down at heels chased by Ades of Magdalen with the tailor's shears. A scared calf's face, gilded with marmalade. I don't want to be debagged. Don't you play the giddy ox with me? Shouts from the open window. Startling evening in the quadrangle. A deaf gardener, aproned, masked with Matthew Arnold's face, pushes his mower on the sombre lawn, watching narrowly the dancing motes of grass arms. To ourselves, 
new paganism on Thalos. Let him stay, Stephen said. There's nothing wrong with him except that night. Then what is it? Buck Mulligan asked impatiently. Cough it up. I'm quite frank with you. What have you against me now? They halted, looking toward the blunt cape of Bray Head that lay on the water like the snout of a sleeping whale. Stephen freed his arm quietly. Do you wish me to tell you? he asked. Yes, what is it? Buck Mulligan answered. I don't remember anything. He looked in Stephen's face as he spoke. A light wind passed his brow, fanning softly his fair, uncombed hair and stirring silver points of anxiety in his eyes. Stephen, depressed by his own voice, said, Do you remember the first day I went to your house after my mother's death? Buck Mulligan frowned quickly and said, What? Where? I, I can't remember anything. I remember only ideas and sensations. Why? What happened in the name of God? You were making tea, Stephen said, and I went across the landing to get more hot water. Your mother and some visitor came out of the drawing room. She asked you who was in your room. Yes, Buck Mulligan said. What did I say? I could guess. You said, Stephen answered. Oh, it's only Daedalus, whose mother is beastly dead. A flush, which made him seem younger and more engaging, rose to Buck Mulligan's cheek. Did I say that? he asked. Well, what harm is that? He shook his constraint from him, nervously. And what is death? he asked. Your mother's or yours or my own. You saw only your mother die. I see them pop up every day in the matter in Richmond and cut into tripes in the dissecting room. It's a beastly thing and nothing else. It simply doesn't matter. You wouldn't kneel down to pray for your mother.